You know, a few weeks ago, Rick Harner was here and he spoke on the topic of hospitality. And I think if uh, hospitality had a mother, it would be generosity. Generosity and hospitality go together, but I think generosity really is the hallmark of a Christian. Generosity is something that uh, Christians do out of the love that they've received from the Lord. And today I want to talk about generosity. And it's throughout the Bible. In fact, uh, generosity shows up in the Bible in about uh, generosity and about giving and about money and about possessions about 2,350 times in the Bible. That's twice as much, the Bible talks twice as much about generosity, possessions, and money more than it talks about prayer and faith. Did you realize that? When you're reading your Bible, notice that. How many times does the Bible talk about possessions, money, and generosity? And it's amazing when you see that. Uh, You know, I remember uh, reading the Gospels, and Jesus is there, and he's looking at the temple, and he's sitting across from the temple, and he's with his disciples, and they're watching people give their offering. And they must have did this publicly because they could see everything. And so people are bringing their offerings to Jesus. And, you know, some people are bringing bags of gold, you know, like, or, you know, a wheelbarrow. You know, they're, they're bringing it up with all the treasures and everything that they have. And then this little widow, the Bible says, an older woman, a widow, comes up and she drops in two copper coins. And you know what Jesus says in Mark 12, 44? He says, truly I tell you, this poor widow put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth and she gave out of her poverty. She put in everything that she had. So today we're going to talk about generosity. And I don't want you to think about how much you put in the offering today. That's not the point of it. Today is about What is generosity, and how am I going to grow as a believer in generosity? And usually when I talk about this topic, and I don't talk about it often, I don't talk about money often in in church, but I believe that it is one of the topics that you can't avoid in the Scripture, because it's throughout the Scriptures. You have to talk about money and possessions and giving. It's just part of our Christian walk. So I believe that when God has control of our finances, he'll have control of our heart and our life. When he can hold on to your wallet, he can hold on to your heart. When you hide back and try to not talk about money with God or deal with the issues of giving with the Lord, uh, we oftentimes suffer uh, personally in our Christian walk. Now, last week, Pastor Peter gave us a message on grieving the Holy Spirit. And some of the ways that we grieve the Holy Spirit are by not forgiving others, not by saying unkind words, becoming angry and going to bed while we're still angry. But another way that we grieve the Holy Spirit is when we're not generous. Because God has given us so much, and he wants us to be a conduit of that. What is generosity? Generosity is a willingness to give help or support, giving more than is usual or expected. 
Generosity is just not giving of the excess that we have. Generosity is something that wells up in us and causes us to give more than is usual. And I've seen that happen in people's lives. But I've also seen the other part, too. People just don't give. People just, for some reason, maybe sometimes it's because they grew up very poor and they've worked hard for their money and this is mine and I'm not going to just give it away. Sadly, often those that have the most give the least and those that are the most generous have the least. You know, Charles Spurgeon tells of receiving a wealthy man's invitation to come and preach at his rural church to help members raise funds to pay off the debt of their church. And Spurgeon was invited by this man, and he said, you can, you're free to stay at my house. You can either stay at my country house, you can stay at my townhouse, or you can stay at the seaside home. And you know what Spurgeon wrote back and says, sell one of the places and pay the debt yourself. <laughs> What Spurgeon was saying is, you have the money. I don't need to raise the money. You have it. You just haven't given it. If you're wondering if, uh, if you're one of the least of these or one with the greatest amount of wealth, let me tell you something. That if you make $20,000 a year, you make more than 95% of the people in the world. So you're the upper 5%. Now, you can just go higher. I don't know how much money we all make here, but we, we are the rich people. We really are. Even if, you're on, even if you were at minimum wage working 40 hours a week, you would be the rich person, considered in the, in the global aspect. A few weeks ago, I was speaking about my visit to the Middle East in there, and what happened is I, I uh, went and visited a church. And it was an interesting church because this church Live, was right outside of Amman, and it was in this church that a former missionary who had purchased the land, it was in 1890, she had arrived in, uh, in this area in the Middle East, and um, she had taught children for 30 years. She had been supported by, by uh, friends in the United States. They had given her money to live there. She was only able to teach children because in those days, uh, women only taught children. But she was faithful at it. She did it for 30 years. And at the end of 30 years, uh, she was ready to retire. And she had saved and she had scrimped and saved money for her retirement. And I think the mission had also kicked in some money. And so at the end of it, she had said, uh, you know, what I'd like to do with my retirement money is I want to buy a piece of land in this country. They said, you shouldn't do that. She said, why? Because we'll never build anything. We don't have the funds to build it. It's pretty much a worthless piece of land. She said, you know, I've been praying about this, and God has laid it on my heart that I'm supposed to buy this piece of land. It's two acres of land. I'm supposed to buy it. She went down to the place. She bought the land. It was controlled by the Ottoman Empire at that time. She bought and purchased the land, and 100 years later, I walked into this church. It's the second building that they've built on this property. It used to be a small building, kind of like ours was, and then there's a much larger building now. And hundreds of people have come to know the Lord because this woman, 
who didn't have much money but gave all that she had because the Holy Spirit had prompted her, purchased this piece of land, and now many, many people have come to know Christ. You know, Jesus was talking about, don't put your treasures here on earth, but rather lay up treasures in heaven. And I think Jesus had this idea he was trying to get to us, get through to us, that not everything in our life consists of the things that we own here. But there's so much more greater things than these. And I believe that this woman is up in heaven now, and she's seen people walk through the gates of heaven. And you know what they're saying? They're saying like that old song said, thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm a life that was changed. And one by one by one, here was this woman who gave her life to missions and then gave everything she had, and they built a church there. And now hundreds, even thousands of people have come to know the Lord through this ministry here. So Jesus says, lay up your treasures on, in, in heaven, not on earth. I love to hear stories of churches that are little, but they give big. Or people that live small, but they give big. You know, you don't hear many stories about that. You'll hear about Bill Gates, how many billions of dollars he gives away. Yeah, I mean, the guy's got billions. He's still, I mean, and we, we say, oh, isn't, that, he, isn't he a great guy? You know what Jesus would say? No, remember the widow. She didn't have much, but she gave what, she, what God had told her to give, and she gave more than all the others. So I'm not talking about the amount of money that we give, but I am talking about being moved strategically and generously to give as the Lord leads us. And so the Apostle Paul, when we're going to get to our section of Scripture here, the Apostle Paul, he spends a lot of time when he's writing this letter to the Corinthians because the Corinthians are a church that they struggle with uh, following through on their commitments. They're a lot like all of us. Uh, They want to give. They said they would give. They made a commitment to give. But they just didn't write the check. It's like Lori says to me sometimes, you know, we'll be driving. She goes, did you, uh, did you give the check this week at church? I said, oh, man, I forgot. I mean, I'll forget. I almost forgot today, and I was, taught, you know, I was preaching on generosity, and, I, and every month I want to give a certain amount of my income to the Lord's work. And I almost forgot because I don't carry a checkbook around, and it's just, I just forget and uh, so a lot of times, like, or I'll say, I'm going to give to this mission, and then I'll say, yeah, i got to give. I know the Holy Spirit's pro-. And then I forget. Well, you know, this week I was, uh, uh, my Wi-Fi wasn't working, you know. And I, I went to check my Wi-Fi, and my TV's not working. And I said, what's going on here? I forgot to pay my cable bill. <laughs> they shut me off. Yeah, they shut me off. So I, you know, I call, you know, I, I got online and I, I typed in the thing and, the, and it came back on, you know. I know I have cable. But, you know, I can forget to do things. But you know what? You know, we can forget to give to the Lord, but he doesn't shut us off. He doesn't shut us down. But I'm telling you, it has an effect on our spiritual lives. No doubt about it. He won't shut you down. He won't shut you off because you didn't pay your bill. No, 
Optimum will. Fios will. But Jesus won't. Jesus won't shut you down. And so sometimes we can get lulled into the feeling like, you know, I can give, I cannot give. It doesn't really matter. You know, it's, you know, God owns it all. He doesn't, he can't, he doesn't have to use my hundred or thousand dollars. It doesn't matter. You know, I mean, God can use somebody else. I got bills to pay. I got things to do. This is a difficult time for me right now. And so we put back this idea of giving and This is what was happening with the Corinthians. They were wanting to give, and they had a spiritual life. They had the gifts of the Spirit in their church, but this was something that that was lacking in their life. And so Paul writes to them, and he says, Look, I want to help you to understand how to give. And so he talks about this church, the Macedonian church. It's the Thessalonica church, the the book of Thessalonians, and the church in Philippi, the book of Philippians, uh, these people. And uh, he says this. He says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. That is crazy. How does poverty... Well up in rich generosity. How does a severe trial mixed with overflowing joy and extreme poverty well up in generosity? But it happened. It happened because they saw that God's grace was enough to supply what they need and they gave by faith. And they gave generously and they gave faithfully. See, that's not the normal for me when I hit a financial setback. I remember the first time my pastor talked about tithing. Oh, man, that was like a crazy concept. Give 10% of my money to God? That was like tax upon tax. And I thought, you know, I don't know if I could do this. And But he, you know, he explained the scripture, he, he shared it, and so I began to give 10%. And uh, back in the day when I began to give 10%, I had three little kids, and I was in the mission, I was on mission, and God still wanted me to give 10%. I didn't mind giving 10 or $20 in the offering, you know, I mean, if I had, I could have that in my wallet, and I put 10 or 20 but to give 10% of what I was living on, that was, like, difficult. And so, but I did it faithfully out of obedience to God. And I've seen that God has always been faithful. And in fact, God has challenged me to not only give 10%, but then to give to missions on top of that. And so Lori and I, every year at the end of the year, we'll get our receipt from the church and we'll say, did we do what we said we were going to do? And that's, you know, she always checks on me. Did you write the check? Did you do what you said you were going to do? And we have never been able to outgive God. We've never been able to outgive God. God has always provided more than we ever needed. And you know what the other thing is, the strange thing is about it? I don't worry about finances anymore. I really don't. God has met the need, and he's given over and abundant what I could ever give. Warren Worsby says, when a church or a believer 
is not generous, it is an indicator of a low level of spiritual maturity. When a church is not generous or a believer is not generous, it's, a, it's an indicator of a low level of spiritual maturity. There's something that's being blocked through our selfishness or through our, uh, a lack of faith to give that could be opened up if we would give faithfully to the Lord. And I'm not a prosperity preacher. I don't say if you give uh, you know, $100 in the offering, God's going to give you 1000 later on. No, I don't, I don't say that. I say that if you give faithfully to the Lord, He's going to take care of you. There's so many different ways God has blessed my life in so many different ways. And I know many people here, you could testify the same thing. But the key to growth in Christ and spiritual breakthrough can begin by giving generously and strategically of your money to the Lord. So many people tell me, I don't feel the presence of the Lord in my life. Sometimes I ask the question, are you giving faithfully to God's kingdom work? Oh, well, um, well, uh, you don't understand. No, no. It's not, and I'm not saying it to put somebody in guilt trip. I'm just saying that when we give faithfully, and we give strategically and we give generously, what happens is that God's Holy Spirit begins to be at work in our lives in a greater way than we ever have before. Than, than He ever has before. And He begins to well within us an overwhelming joy and He turns the drudgery of giving into a joy and an anticipation and an opportunity. Oh man, did you hear about that need? I can give to that. Yeah, it changes. People actually in the Bible have come up and said they not only gave, what it says, I just said they gave as much as they were able to and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. They were like, can I give more? Can Can I do something else? This was the church in Philippi, the church in Thessalonica. These were the kind of people they were. And Paul is saying, he's talking to the Corinthians, and he's saying he's trying to inspire them to follow through on their commitment because they've missed it. They were the little church with the big heart. It says they exceeded... And Paul says they exceeded our expectation. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. You know, that's the key in giving. The key is not just to give money. The key is first to give yourself to the Lord, to give your finances to the Lord, to give your entire life to the Lord, to come under submission to Him. And then you just say, Lord, it's all yours. This belongs to you. I remember when there was times in my life when I had real financial need and I didn't know what to do. I, Lori and I had to raise our support for the first 17 years of our ministry. So you went out to churches and you asked people to support you. And I could never raise 100% of my support. I'm telling you, I could only raise 60%. The highest I ever got was 60%. I found out later that's about the average for a person that goes around... <laughs> and tries to raise their support, they get about 60%. That's the going average. Very hard to raise 100%. And so uh, one of the churches I went to, there was a woman there. 
Her name was Mar Margaret Shevik, an older Norwegian woman, a widow. And she would always pray for us. And whenever we visited that church, she would have us over for dinner, and she'd want to hear about the ministry. And she was so, she had grown up in Brooklyn, and they had ministered to immigrants that were coming in to Brooklyn. And she was so excited that Lori and I were in Newark ministering to the poor in Newark. And so whenever we came into church and visited our church in New City, New York, she would come up and she would be so excited. Well, Margaret, you know, had supported us for about 10 years and then she died. And um, all of a sudden I get a letter from her son. And he says, did you receive, you know, X amount of dollars from my mother's inheritance. She had put us on the inheritance and sent the money uh, to our missions office and, and it was earmarked for our support. And it ended up that it paid all the shortfall from the 14 years previously of the 60% that, of only the 60%, the 40% that we never raised and then beyond that. And God supplied all of our needs. But it was Margaret Shevik who made that commitment and gave that money. And it was amazing because I believe, first of all, her son, who could have got the inheritance, called up and made sure that the inheritance went to the mission. And then the other part of it was that he had to follow up the lawyer who didn't send the money. And he called back to the lawyer and said, where's the money? Because I called, first I called the mission, they didn't receive it yet, and then later on they received it, and it was because the son had put pressure on the lawyer. The lawyer was ready to take the money and run. Sorry, anybody that's a lawyer. I know that's not like you. But you see that, that idea of giving beyond expectation or what is usual, that was the hallmark of her life. And I want to tell you, I've never seen a woman more full of joy, more full of the presence of the Lord, somebody that just was full of love and full of life, and yet she was, you know, living on a fixed income. But she gave faithfully to the Lord and prayed faithfully. You see, when you give to a ministry, you usually pray for that ministry, and you're concerned about that. That's why I love when our church supports like Silver Lining, Camp Comanche. Uh, last month we took an offering for the uh, mission in Jordan and raised uh, close to $5,000. So those are all things that I know our church gives in. And, and we should be excited about that. We should be saying, God, just help us to give more. Help us to just excel in this area of giving because we can be a little church that can make a big impact. We really can. And I believe God has used us to do that. And he wants to continue to do that. He wants to continue to do that. 2 Corinthians 8, 7, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. The Apostle Paul is saying, there's something about giving that you need to intentionally be involved in and excel in. Just like we excel in knowledge or we excel in our studies or we excel in, uh, in uh, mastering a hobby or an instrument. 
we, we put the time into it, but God says, I want you to excel in this area of giving. It's a lot easier to do that. Because, you know, if, if you want to learn uh, an instrument, it can take you thousands of hours. But if you want to excel in giving, that's all you have to do is obey a number of times. <laughs> Faithfully, generously, strategically. And you can excel in this area of giving. Second Corinthians 8 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. The whole idea here is, Apostle Paul is saying, look, at, it's because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives, and he was the one who was so rich that he became poor, came to earth, died on the cross for us so that we could have life. He became poor so that we could become rich in grace, rich in the knowledge of him being with us. And because of that, you give out of that motivation. And so then he goes on to our main verse here. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And so there's this idea that the Apostle Paul is saying is, yeah, you can get by with giving 10 or $20 a month to a church. But you're going to reap very sparingly in your life. In fact... You may be grieving the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is telling you to give 10%, at least. And you'd never follow through on that. And you know, you've heard messages about it, you've heard things about it, but you've never followed through on that command. And so uh, there's a, a sense that you could be missing out, and you will be missing out on God's blessing in your life. So why will the Lord always stretch, expand your faith in this area of strategic, generous giving? Why does he do that? Well, first of all, he wants to be first in your heart. He wants to be first, take first place. Because he said, Jesus said this, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So where your treasure is, where you think about when you open up your checkbook or look at your book, uh, at your bank account or whatever like that, or where you spend your time, your money, That's what your focus is. And so what Jesus is saying, I want to be first in your life. And one of the first things that will help us do that is to give generously to God's kingdom work. He wants you to be involved in kingdom pursuits. He wants you to uh, be involved and not only pursue the things of God's kingdom. Like, as Pastor Peter was sharing today, the DR ministry. We have an opportunity to give for medical supplies. Uh, He wants us to be involved in kingdom pursuits. And you'll be able to use and meet the needs of others and be spiritually renewed as well. So God is able to use these things in our life to actually use us to bless other people. And uh, he'll do that over and over again. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. See, that's the beautiful thing about giving is that it not only meets a need here, 
in a person's life. But then there's an eternal value that happens. There's an eternal treasure that is passed on, and lives are changed for eternity. That's why when I go to the grocery store and they say every time, do you want to give a dollar to this? Do you want to give a dollar to that? Do you want to give a dollar to that? I'll always say, not today. You know why? Because I've already strategically planned out in my mind the ministries that I want to give to. And I'm not, it doesn't make me feel guilty. And, you know, there's sometimes when there'll be a need, you know, somebody will say, and, and it's not a Christian need, and they'll say, you know, we're raising a thing for cancer, or we're doing a drive for this, and I'll give to that. I, I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But I'm, what I'm saying is this, that giving is such an important thing that we need to think through who we're giving to and why we're giving it and what they're doing with the money and how is it building the kingdom of God and bringing people to Jesus Christ because that's really, when we get up to heaven, we're laying up treasures in heaven and when we get to heaven, we're going to be able to see the ways that people's lives have been changed because we've been faithful in giving. And so... I really encourage you to think through and wonder, you know, and, and, and examine the giving that you're doing. Why are you giving it? How much are you giving? And for a young person or a person that's just going into college or going into um, or just getting your first job, start, start right away. Because if you start giving right away, you'll only, you won't miss it. And you'll only increase your giving along the way. And God will bless you more and more and more. When we were younger and we had our children, when our children were like uh, six, seven, eight years old, we set aside envelopes for them. One was for giving to the Lord. One was giving gifts to their family and friends. And the other one was spending. We had three envelopes and we gave them money. And they put in those envelopes those things. And then they brought them to church. When they got... You know, they put 10%, and I give them their allowance. I gave them allowance, and I said, you know, you split it up the way that you want. I mean, I told them about 10% to one, and then, you know, whatever they wanted to do. And they did it. And to this day, they still do it. So when you begin young, when you begin to uh, give, uh, man, it, then it becomes a joy. It becomes, man, I, can, I have some money that I can actually go to meet a need. And it changes your whole perspective on money. Your whole perspective on what you think about money. And it really relieves the anxiety in your life. So I really encourage you to think about giving. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Here's a wonderful verse in Proverbs 11.25. It tells the blessing of being generous. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. These were the people in David's time that David said, we're going to build a temple and the people started bringing money. He had to tell them, stop. We don't have anywhere to put it. They were bringing so much. And then David explained, man, how could this happen? You know, who are, who are we that we could give so much to God's kingdom work? That's the blessing of being generous. And you know what? When you're generous, who is God going to deposit more into? I mean, if everything comes from him, 
If you're a conduit, if you are uh, you know, an ATM to other people, who's God going to put into the ATM? He's going to give you more to give. And he does that. He's faithful to do that. That's not the reason we should give, but it's just is a, it's a principle in Scripture. And then Paul says this, In everything he did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself who said, It's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus talked about giving all the time. You know why? Because he saw people in bondage to greed, selfishness, narcissism, always just thinking about themselves and about what they were going to do and how they were going to spend their money. But they weren't releasing that money to kingdom work. And so Jesus, you know, most of the, the disciples were supported. You know who they were supported by? Usually single women. It was the women that gave the most. The men, it was hard for them to give. The rich young ruler went away sadly because he, he just couldn't give. Uh, the, the woman that broke the alabaster perfume that was so costly, she didn't care. She gave it. So men, we have to work on this idea of giving. Assess your give, uh, uh, action steps to generosity. Assess your giving habits and level of generosity. I think we need to take an inventory of are we giving? If we're not giving, why aren't we giving? The Bible says this, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's a beautiful uh, scripture there. We, we, we need to just decide in our heart what to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Just give quiet before the Lord sometime. Or talk to your husband and wife. You know, what are we giving? Talk about it. If you're a young person, Think about, what am I giving to the Lord? If I make money, if I, if I have a part-time job, what am I, what am I giving to the Lord? And, and begin to do that. The Bible has a benchmark at 10%. Get up to that level and see what God does. Then begin to increase that level and see how God blesses your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to mature you into this area of giving and generosity. Only the Holy Spirit can release that ability in us to be able to give. It's something that... <clears throat> when he was talking about the Macedonian churches, it wasn't something that was natural. It was supernatural. And I know somebody might be saying, well, I'm waiting for that supernatural feeling. It's not a feeling. It's an action. It's an action. It's a decision that you make. And as you decide to do it by faith, God continues to bless you and will use you in that. Third thing, just do it. Just do it. Follow through and be amazed at what God does in your life. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. There is something exciting about being able to give to God's kingdom work. And once you discover that, it is amazing the way that God brings joy into your life or you'll see, sometimes God gives you glimpses of how God uses that gift that you gave to bless others. And I know one day in heaven, one day in heaven, 
the treasures that we've laid up in heaven will be revealed. And they're not just treasures of money. They're lives that have been changed because we've been faithful to give to God's kingdom work. And we've been faithful to give financially to God's kingdom work. So um, let's pray and ask God to help us to understand this and then apply it in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us on generosity, Lord. We pray that we will give generously, that we will give strategically as your Holy Spirit leads us and opens our eyes to the needs of others. Lord, even as we um, have missionaries visiting, as we uh, open up our hearts to community, as we uh, try to do outreach here in this locality, Lord, we pray, Lord, that uh, you will use us to support those ministries. Lord, we pray that you will just continue to bless and guide the Dominican Republic short-term mission. Lord, that you will bring every need uh, that is there, that you would fill it, every need, and you'd support it, Lord. We ask that you'll uh, continue to lead us and guide us to excel in this gift of giving because, Lord, you gave so much for us, Lord. You were reckless in your love. You were overwhelming in your love towards us. We talk about generosity, Lord. We could never be as generous as you have been to us. And so, Lord, we lay our lives before you and we give ourselves first to you. And then, Lord, use us as a channel of blessings to others. Pray this in Jesus' name.